What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Panthers Nation Network. Reaching another one of those off-season lulls. You know, we're waiting. We have rookie minicamp going through, and there's a lot you can analyze there. But, I, I mean, and Tyler and Chiefs can talk about this. I just – it's the same thing with – for me, like, you know, freaking um, pro days or combines, having those rookie minicamps to me – with if they're not going full speed, they're not going against any vets. Like I just I don't see a whole lot of like it's just nitpicking at that point. And not to you know denounce anyone who I mean if you live and breathe this stuff and you and you make your living going to those camps and going and analyzing that stuff, good good on you. For me, it's that's just that's just too much. All we getting right now is just great sob stories. You know, the guys that may have you know may have went undrafted, had a great career in college, like like a Davis Cheat kind of guy. He, he's a guy that's just on the current roster right now as the fourth quarterback, you know, went to Elon, I think. And, I mean, he's a guy that people are, are, are kind of talking about. But other than that, you're not getting a whole lot of real football stories coming out of rookie minicamp. We're just kind of just hoping guys stay healthy. You know, listening to coaches talk great about all the draft picks that they made because if you don't, I mean, then then why, <laughs> why did you put your job at risk to draft them? So, I mean, we just kind of, like you said, just in that spot where not a whole lot going on. A lot of guys are talking, but not a lot being said. Yeah, no, not a lot, a lot of stuff behind the scenes, but nothing really coming out just yet. It's a big, big opportunity for you know teams to see what they really got, and you know, hopefully for um, definitely the Panthers and every other team, what they thought they're getting is what the, what what's coming into camp, and they're not you know shocked by um, a way a guys performing or anything. Just get them in, see how they're doing, um, you know, acclimate them to the to the team and everything. But you know, nothing too crazy. It is cool seeing some of the pictures and videos of guys in their uniforms for the first time ever and you know something that we picture for so long and actually seeing it is really cool for sure but you know nothing that's going to be too um changing it uh in any different way you know guys learning the playbooks getting adjusted to playing with the other rookies and then just building that rookie class as a whole and uh, building their you know the bonds between them no absolutely i agree with that and i gotta say it is cool seeing like you talk about the people you know coming in their new numbers I saw a lot of hype, and especially like a, a couple of different NFL accounts, putting a lot of em emphasis and attention on Corral and his new, like his new digs. Which I just, I mean, like as far as the quarterbacks go, that people will be hyping up. I guess it's you know it's the quarterback, it's the sexy position to hype up. And I, I like the number nine. I'm not gonna lie. I, I, I like it. Looks good on him. Yeah, Matt number nine. We get, and I, the number nine fits him perfectly. The only thing I wish they would have did at the at the at the little photo shoot. Get my guy, get my guy a visor or something, bro. He can't be, he had my guy going out there looking naked, bro. I didn't like that. It was not, he looked like a very standard creative player. Give him a clear one. He don't, he don't need a dark visor. I mean, I had, that would be nah, a dark visor on that number nine. It's kind of fire, kind of reminds you like, like, like Jim McMahon back in the 80s with the Bears. It's kind of fire. But hmm. yeah, man, he had my dog looking like a creative, look, look like a standard creative player, bro. It, it, they look like they got to the, um, Donnie Simo with a road like a road guard player and they just click just click straight through. No no nothing, no wrist tape, no anything on them, man. That's a, that's where it always gets me, the arms. You can't like you bare arm, come on. No, man. We gotta have throw, throw a sleeve on that or something, man. At least. I mean, he's got he's got the tattoo sleeve. I like the tattoo yeah. sleeve. That that goes hard. And if you have a sleeve on the other one and then keep the tattoo sleeve up, I'm a fan of that. But like you you said you hit the hair the you hit the nail right on the head there, Tyler. A lot of just, you know, talking heads, not a whole lot really needed to be focusing on. There are a couple, couple cool guys that I've seen, at least name-wise, that I want to do. Well, we have one UDFA, Charleston Rambo from Miami. 
amazing name that I would love to see make a roster, <laughs> make the roster. Just just to have Rambo on the back of a Panthers jersey, and then Charleston no less too. Like, yeah, you hmm? have Charleston too. Was, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You have Char- you have the whole you know the, the South Carolina connection. But Tyler, are there any UDFAs? I know there was that one tight end people were looking at. Are there any UDFAs that you have kind of your eye on? Um, you know, it was interesting because uh, the Panthers brought in their their you know undrafted class, and um, especially this year as opposed to previous years, um, in the later rounds and in the first, you know, the priority undrafted free agents that got signed right after the draft, there was just a plethora of, of names because, as we know, with the COVID year, a lot of fifth-year guys came back. So there was just more guys in this draft class overall. There's just more players. So that led to, you know, in, in the later rounds, like not ever hearing of some of these guys that, um, you know, got drafted. And then the same goes for free agency. Um, initially, the Panthers brought in um, a decently sized draft, but our undrafted class, but nothing uh, too big, which, um, you know, you, you would like to see, you know, us bring in some more guys and it's going to cost us just a, a little bit to, to, you know, at least bring in guys for a shot. So bringing in a couple, a little bit more um, guys would be something nice to see uh, a couple guys that already got cut, um, you know, guys that, you know, just not, not what you thought what you were getting with, but uh, yeah, like you said, Charleston Rambo, he's the guy that I'm looking for the most, um, you know, Big time recruit, big time player. Um, it has a height, weight, speed combination. The production and um, and everything that you'd like to see wasn't there in college. He was an Oklahoma transfer before going to Miami, um, and um, you know ended up going undrafted. As you know, the receiver talent is always going to get pushed down the board, and just because there's always so much you know depth and talent in every single draft class, and it's going to be that way for years to come with, you know, the advent of seven on seven in the youth leagues and every kid seeing, you know, these receivers on TV making these great plays. And then now receivers being the second highest paid position. I mean, you're just going to see more kids playing receiver early on. And um, that's why, you know, in, in the undrafted class, a guy like Charleston Rambo does have a really good shot to, hey, maybe he has a good rookie OTA camp comes in during training camp, impresses, works his way onto special teams, and all of a sudden he's the sixth receiver making the roster, and that's a huge win uh, from a, from an undrafted free agent. It gets to me just thinking, of like, I miss guys. Like, whatever happened to Omar Bayless? Where did he go? We just yeah. cut, cut ties with him. I don't even think he's on the team, any even affiliated with the team anymore. No, I think he bounced around the practice squad, but – but it's just because that's and that's the other thing with like you know with the with rookie camp, mini camp, all that kind of stuff. Like sometimes even the things that we see that we all see is obvious. Like we know obviously the biggest tell last year, and it's been talked about a little bit more on, on Twitter and then you know the Panthers Twitter versus the staunch difference between the preseason performances of Terrace Marshall Jr. and Shai Smith. But one of the guys you know had the the draft pick recognition, and the other guy had a bit of a, I guess, morale problem was what at least it was led to believe. And it led to the production of, you know, Shy being cut to almost a quarter of what Terrace would have had, even though Shy, when he was out there, put out more. Yeah, that that that, that dynamic has been weird. I, I understand Terrace, the hyper ride Terrace Marshall because, because of the size and because of the ability he displayed at, at, uh, at LSU, you think okay, he's gonna translate well to be uh, to perform in the league. But from the time they stepped onto the field at camp to preseason, especially towards the end, and even in season when you actually saw him play, I never saw that flash. Marshall had one flash, I think I remember against the Colts in the preseason game. Yeah, I remember that. That, that was and it was on a broken play at that. So I mean, 
I suppose that a screenplay at that or something like that. Yeah, it was a it, it was one it was one of those plays where you know PJ Walker got outside the pocket, made a great throw on the run. But again, I hope Terrace Marshall is a guy that can that can stick because I mean I, we don't have a lot of size in that receiver room. Charleston Ramble would be would, would, would you know got we signed a guy like guy like Rashad Higgins who probably stepped into that same role that you want you wanted Terrace Marshall to be in. I forgot but, about Higgins. You know, Marshall being a second round pick out of LSU, man, a guy that just that shows so much. You really hope that he can that, that he starts to like you know to really grow into a role, and, and you can see you can kind of tell when those guys are high draft picks like that, they are trying to give them all the opportunities to work into those roles. He played in a lot of games, didn't get a whole lot of targets, and uh, I don't know. It's just one of those things where hopefully bringing a rookie quarterback in, a young guy. They mesh well. Maybe they build a connection that could possibly propel both of those guys forward into having great seasons this year. Yeah, you know, it's it's tough not to hear about you know the the Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and Joe Burrow and, and how they're succeeding. And just thinking back on that team um, with LSU and how ridiculous, uh, ridiculously talented they were offensively, defensively, and all the first round, second round picks that they had. Um, you know, even with that that team where. They had two of the best young receivers in the NFL right now. Um, you know, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. There's no denying that. But Terrace Marshall pr- produced on that team and had a had a very solidified role in something and somebody that teams had to you know be ready for that whole college football season. And um, so you know, he's no slouch of a player. He was a second round pick, but we knew that he wasn't going to be a guy that comes in and dominates right away like one of those two would um you know that that transition for him going to, into year two is um something that i think we we need to think about a little bit more because this is this is going to be critical to his um the rest of his career is seeing if he can take what from what he did in year one and bring it over to year two now you know a lot of it's going to be dependent on quarterback play um, it's not joe burrow throwing him the ball it's not going to be but um, even even with that number nine not going to be joe burrow <laughs> But yes, so for Marshall, you know, helping those quarterbacks out, being that big body that can also separate with with size and speed is something um, in year two that I'm really looking forward to. I think, you know, there's a lot to look forward to. We talked about it, though. You know, the quarterback battle is just not one that, like, it's not one in my mind, like you talked about it. I just don't think it's one that's going to be decided. It's, it, it seems, it feels very reminiscent of, you know, the seasons where Cam was kind of coming down into his downfall. The only difference is, at least with the guys we have now, we know we have, we at least believe that Corral is more franchise ready than we ever thought Taylor Heineke or you know Kyle Allen. Where the upside of the two of them is, we had no idea what to expect from them. And then when Heineke you know was playing to the level he was, we thought okay. Or excuse me, I guess Allen was first. I can never remember which one went first. I think it was Kyle first. Yeah, was was it Kyle first? I I can't. Remember. I know. I thought, you know. You know what happened? Remember 18, 2018, towards the end, when Cameron hurt his shoulder. Heineke was the guy coming in throwing the and throwing then he got hurt. And he got hurt. And yeah. I got the gig. And then he just kind of went from there. And so, and Alan, you know, ran, took that and ran with it and went into the next season, you know, taking it full full throttle for that next six weeks. And the, the, the upside for the both of those is that they were playing up to the level that we thought they were going to. And they thought, you know, I mean, even elevated to Heineke to the point where he was able to fall into a starting position. I mean, then that's not, now it comes with the caveat that any former Panther will have a starting gig. Or a job over there. I mean, what did we talk about literally a month ago? I said, you have Norwell and Trey Turner both available. Go get the two of them, rebuild your offensive line. What's Rivera do? He gets Goes and get both of them. 
Hey, look. Hey, look. I, I, and like I said, he, he, you know, like Rivera, I mean, that, that works for those guys, though, because, I mean, Rivera's going to know how to get the best out of those guys because both of those guys had their best years of their careers with him. with Ron Rivera. So it, it, it all works out for everybody, I think. But tell me you wouldn't want the depth of Norwell and Turner. Hey, look, you guys I never want. I never wanted to trade Trey Turner for Russell Okung to start with. So I don't mean, even. I, you know. That was the downfall. We should have known. We, we right there, there. We didn't know. Years ago, we 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 knew that was a problem. We knew that was a red flag. Oh yeah, that because that was the first big like because everyone else had either left or was fired. That was the first big like like actual from, from, transaction. From that point on, we were like, wow. Because Luke and Cam and Ari were already out the door at that point. I, or yeah, Cam, Cam wasn't out the door yet, I don't think. I think we were still shopping Cam. Yeah, we, uh, y'all, y'all up until you, 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 know, you signed Teddy, and now you're trying to go find a trade partner. Yeah, all of a sudden. but that was, you know, Olsen was gone. Rivera was out the door. We knew we were in a, in a, in a crap shoot at that point. But that, that is just to say, though, that um, I'm trying to remember what my, my thought process was going to be. Talking about... Oh, talking about quarterbacks, I, and so you know, I like this. I think it's going to be very reminiscent of those seasons where it's going to be Sam, you know, shrugging to the end of the line as long as he can, and then either in injury, a either a Jake, either a Jake Bentley scenario comes into fruition, and he is injured to the point where he's out for the season, or he just gets pulled off, and then Corral comes into play. You know, the last quarter of the season, I just I. I would be from what already you can see them talking about in press conferences and in media, you know, coverage. They're already saying, "Oh, Sam's looking like the guy again." I'm like, "Why? Why? Why, why do this? Why do this? You're not selling it to anybody. We're not buying this. We're selling narratives at this point. We're in the month of May. Yeah, we're selling narratives at this point. Look, can we make this guy look as good as we possibly can to possibly, you know?" I don't really know who they're trying to sell this to. I mean, I guess you guys sell it to the fans. You guys sell it to the owner, you know, because, you know, you're in year three of this one. was now being called a five-year rebuild that they agreed to. So you got to sell it. You got to sell it to everybody. I mean, even from the camp confidential. The, 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 um, camp confidential. confidential, yeah. Yeah. I, from what I saw, I, didn't, I haven't got a chance to watch it. The first thing I saw was they're trying their hardest to make you love Matt Rule. I'm like, bro, mm-hmm. he, I, they're trying at this point right now. They're trying to make us love everything about this team except for you know winning games. Uh, so Tyler, you were a huge proponent of Camp Confidential and Panthers Confidential last year. Have you watched it yet? And are you getting the same feeling this year? Yeah, I mean, it just came out a couple hours ago, and I already, I already watched it. You know, you know, I watched it. They, um, <laughs> it'll, it'll probably go, uh, go viral on Twitter again. But um, do you guys remember last year when Rule was up on the whiteboard trying to predict um, how the drafts are going? He and they nailed it. But, um, you know, this year, and they were trying to predict it, and we knew how at the top with um, the Jaguars and Lions like, and the Texans, like, no, nobody had any idea of how it was going to fall. And we, and we felt really lucky to get Kwanu. Well, they tried to do that again this year, and it was super tough. You know, it was tough for them to predict it and everything. And they were playing through the scenarios before the draft, of course. And, you know, Rule gets up there and he's like, Man, if this happens and we get a Quanu, like that's gonna be that would be crazy if that happens and it ended up happening. So yeah, you're right with with them really trying to push rule and um, you know give him his shot and and put him out there to us. You know they had Scott Fitter in it and it showed them you know interacting and, and I saw and, that. Yeah, of course it shows it shows all the good stuff, all the good stuff that they say about the players. 
So you got to keep that in mind for sure when when thinking about it. But you know they were ecstatic to get Aquanu there, um, which which is all real. I mean, you know, a lot of people had him top one, two, three players in the class, and to get him at six overall was um, was definitely special. Especially um, seeing the you know you guys will all see it when when you watch it. But um, you know, seeing the um, the war room uh, during during the draft when the Giants were taking Thibodeau meaning at five meaning that we would get our pick of Aquanu and neil who it sounded like we were going to one of the two um the room was ecstatic getting icky Aquanu, and then you know it'll go the the rest of it goes into icky's story with you know being from the area and how how awesome that is to really see but i said i got a bone to pick with him because he said his favorite charlotte memory was matthews coming alive which you don't know what that is. it is literally the most like podunk like street fair that you would ever see and for him to say that was his favorite charlotte memory that's literally like right down by my house and i'm like what out of everything you got carowinds you got uptown he literally went to panthers games i mean you mean to tell me that was your favorite charlotte memory but and now he's already going back into the community our very own jeff taylor was out and about in his new gig out of providence day high school icky's on the monitor he was gaping now this is hush hush ish but he was giving away, he was helping them present new helmet uh, tech, like, you know, padded kind of outer shells for their helmets that I think we talked about the NFL is actually going to start trying to use some similar technology for the preseason this year. But um, he was already out there. So Jeff snagged a picture with Icky already and was talking him up and talking about the days playing at Mara and, and Little League football. So it definitely, I mean, the level of, of, of static, you know, that, they exuded is obviously completely sincere because it was a it was you know i mean i was shocked sitting at work when we got him i was i was like there's no way and when when all when all five picks whenever when everyone was on the board i was like we're gonna we're gonna get willis we're gonna get Pickett, we're gonna mess it up like it's in our hands we're gonna we're gonna mess it up <laughs> but you know it's funny you know the report came out this past week that neither Pickett or willis were being seriously considered by carolina which is crazy to me it really is because not only did like it speaks to you how much, you know, the media plays up certain things. And, you know, and we've seen now, you know, obviously it's more prominent than ever that there's a certain level of, you know, of hesitation you have to hold with certain media outlets. Whereas obviously there's one guy, you know, who keeps trying to push the Baker to, to Carolina mentality. And it just speaking it on deaf ears. And we see, I don't know if Tyler's paid attention. I know Shantise and I look at it pretty, you know, heavily, but situation with Javon Kimlon, the yeah. way he chose to handle that situation. Um, which was not unwarranted, but definitely not smart. But we've seen, you know, media can, certain parts of the media, and I, I say media begrudgingly because I hate when people use that term to umbrella, you know, anyone in broadcast because I don't think that's correct. But there are certain people out there that work for certain publications that like to push these false narratives. We have one right here in our hometown with the last name of Newton, who's not as well loved as, as, as we shared that name with. But, you know, that, and that's because they were always pushing it. But even Rule was, you know, making it very apparent that, you know, he was focusing on hand size and going out there and talking to Pickett. Willis, maybe not as much, but. I, I think this is the second year in a row where Panthers fans have just been completely off the mark with the guys we want. I, mean, I think we had the guys that we wanted, you know, last year was Justin Fields. They never seemed to be as high on Justin Fields as we were. This year was Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett. We had fans going back and forth bickering for months about those two guys, and neither one of them ever really ever truly being considered. And a guy like Matt Corral that, I mean, was kind of obscure in, in, in terms of 
who we were talking about as far as a guy we possibly drafted. We, I don't think he was on anybody's mind at that point. You know, for him to be, for him to end up being the guy and being the guy they like the most out of all the guys, you know, again, just goes to show you, I can say, like, like Tyler said plenty of times before, there's a lot of work that goes into keeping the real intentions under wraps come draft, come draft time. And there's it, it, a lot of false narratives being put out there. Again, I think th things that are put out there intentionally by the team themselves to try to divert attention away from certain guys so they can make sure that they grab their guy. And at six, I think we all knew neither, no quarterback that that was available was good enough to go at that pick. So I think every, you know, everything is everything. Things worked out for the best, and I think we got the guy we needed. I think we got a chance to do something moving forward, even if, even if it's for the next head coach to coach up, you know, a great talent in, in Icky. At least we have something to move forward with. Mm -hmm. And looking at the class as a whole, um, coming out, you know, it's a solid group. It's, we're in the top half of the league with, you know, draft class and coming out um, with a new group of guys. And, you know, going back to, um, you know, the, the, the actual confidentiality of it and how, you know, how discreet things need to be throughout that entire process so things don't get leaked out because something gets leaked out from that room and, oh, that, that changes the offseason. That changes the outlook of, of everything. And then if you, if, um, you know, your information, especially something as important as a draft pick gets leaked out there, um, changes everything. And, you know, looking, you know, you mentioned the Javon Kinlaw thing. And, um, you know, that definitely does not paint the picture of him as a person. Um, totally. But I mean, it is what it is. It, you know, take it how you will. But, you know, something that it, it makes me think of is, um, you know, our classes as a whole, you know, say what you want about the current regime and say what you want about how we've done. But, you know, overall, culture wise, character wise, it's been a strong group of guys that we brought in under um, the rule era. And, and, you know, that's not to be surprised. You know, discipline and, and toughness will be valued along with, as, as we know, the athletic traits, which, um, you know, the, you'll see in the in the Panthers confidential that, you know, it's always going to be something that rule looks for. And, you know, and Fitterer as well. So, um, but, but by, you know, continuing to bring in strong draft classes, like the, the Aquano thing, you know, great player, but, you know, from, from the area, that, which is, which is awesome to see, he knows the history about the franchise, which, which I think is very valuable. You don't, you don't get that very often where, where you get somebody who has been a lifelong fan of the team, knows the history. Um, I was watching the Browns version of their confidential, you know, the pan, their, Brown's confidential, I guess you could say. And, um, you know, they're they're doing things with their rookies, like teaching them the history of the Browns, you know, teaching about the culture in the city and, and different things. But for Icky Aquano, he already has a leg up on that because he, he, know, he knows more than probably a lot, of, a lot of people in the area about the team. So um, I think that's very enabling for him, you know, coming in and being, one, the leader of the rookie class and, two, you know, an eventual leader on the offensive line and, and the team in general. I say, do you think the Browns make their guys watch draft day? <laughs> yeah, hopefully they don't make them watch film. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, then to veer off course for a little second, because this is a personal, you know, point of of uh, contention. I gotta speak on the Grant Con thing for a second because that, like, and this is not. I know there's a South Carolina bias here, and let me preface this by saying Kinlaw did not handle that well. But I hate that stuff because that makes what we want to do so much harder. Like, like with Burris coming on, like people don't understand how much of a blessing that, that is for, for, for us. Like to get to talk, I mean, we've had it, you know, we've had past players come on, you know, Will Witherspoon, Kevin Donnelly come on in the past. We've had, you know, like, 
we were getting talks with guys, you know, we're like going to be potentially on the team. Tyler's talked to a couple, you know, guys that, you know, are entering into the draft, but to get an actual player who is, is on the team and, and in a starting role to come talk live or in person on your, you know, product, like the amount of hoops they have to jump through and the amount they're putting into, you know, into the spot, like to trust us to use them in a way that, you know, does not make them look bad to go like the days of being a troll in sports news are just not, it's just not necessary. No, it's, absolutely just, it's not. just not necessary. With the, the amount of accessibility these, these, uh, these guys have and actually being able to talk to them, like, you know, we, you know, at this point, you think about like 10, 15 years ago, we didn't have this much access to the athletes no. that we wanted to talk to. Like, I can actually, you couldn't, you couldn't bring someone in other than a phone call. Like, you couldn't exactly, bring someone in face to face. Exactly, like you know, but with social, with with the you know, with the the wonders of social media, I can reach out to a Cam Newton, and he may actually see it and, and may reach back, or or any or any player on, on our roster. Like you said, for us to get Justin Burris took a lot, and again, there's a lot of there's a level of trust these players have to have with guys like us that want to create that that, that that are creating content on on their own. And again, for guys that I don't know all the particulars of that situation over there, but. It seems to be that a lot of the 49ers players felt the same way Ken Law felt. Oh, yeah. Debo, Eric Armstead, like, you have right. a long snapper yeah. angry at you. You know how much you have to, how bad you have to be to anger a long snapper? Bro, it, these players, when, here's the thing, when things happen like with, with, with Javon Ken Law, these players usually have felt this same sentiment from, from, from their peers. So it's not new all of a sudden. I mean, how it's handled is, is how it's handled. That could have been handled better, like we said, but the feeling is 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 it new? And again, you see a lot of these guys are getting shy to the point where they don't want to talk to the media much at all. The only the only media you, you'll see from them will be at post game presses that which are required and presses for the team which are required. But you'll see them go do interviews like with a Brandon Marshall, a Ryan Clark, and Channing Cryer, those guys. Like they're going more towards that route because they're they at least feel I think feel they, they feel more protected by the interviewer. And in that space, then then we got then with guys like us, and like you said, like you like you said, it makes it tough for guys like us because we're we're newer. We want to be in this field, and we want to be able to talk to all of the guys that we've watched growing up or, or we're watching currently. And again, there's a level of trust that has to be had between the two. Yeah, I think it, it reflects down to you know the teams in general. That trust is so important. And, you know, a lot of guys, like you said, Shanti's feeling the same way and feeling um, that they're in the same boots about things. And, you know, it's easy to talk to the media when everything's going well and, you know, they're asking you about your great game. But um, when they start getting on you and then and then things and more from there, it gets tough week in and week out. And especially when you see so many different examples of situations that you would not want to be in as a player or as a coach. And so I think that that trickles down then into the teams and into things that they need to talk about and teach, you know, you know, how, how to act, you know, react in different situations. But that trust that you talk about is something that um, from player to player, but also player to coach um, that we talked about with the media, and, but also translating into the teams, you know, is super important because if you have, you know, a coach saying one thing to the media, um, just for an example, he, that better resonate with the rest of the team. So, you know, it's always, it's always cool to look at for me how the media plays a role and how it's, it's always changing within, um, you know, the coaches, GMs, but also down to the players and how it's taken. And, um, you know, there's a lot of guys that do a really good job out there. And um, so, uh, you know, that, that brings out the best in players, and that's the content that we really like to see.
It is. It absolutely is. That's what makes, you know, it's why, like, and I think people, like, they brush aside how, like, insane things like Hard Knocks, it, you know, regular Hard Knocks, regular on, I think, but then to have it in the regular season, too, like, the amount of trust you have to have in whatever organization is doing that, like, that, again, was not something that existed, you know, 10, 15 years ago. You got lucky to see your team outside of, you know, on broadcast, for that matter, a good 20 years ago, and right. that all comes from that connection that you build. So it's just, it's just asinine to operate and think, and then to, to revel in the fact that it's happening. Like, the comments were sickening. They were sickening. He was excited that Kinlaw, you know, was angry at him, and he was questioning if Kinlaw thought he was scared of him sitting in his home. Like, it was, like, at that point, you're just, you're grasping at straws some sort of notoriety, and to say, you know, oh, my career is going to blow up because of this. Like, I hope you touch me because then that's a million dollars right there because that's what your dad would do. Like, Bro, it's, it, it goes to show – I mean, crazy, crazy that this Grant Cone guy is an older guy. Like, he's older, older than all of us that are recording this right now. And, again, to think that that's what we've gotten to in, in the media portion of this where guys are just looking to bait for these moments. And, uh, but this goes a lot into how sports media has been, has been chained the last – 15 years and I, and I mean skip baylor's being one of my he's one of my skip is one of my favorite guys to watch because of how entertaining he is and and whatever he stands on he stands on but you see a lot of mini versions of skip and Stephen a they're all, all trying to have these moments instead of just doing instead of just doing the work they want to try to grasp at these viral moments and again much like the kids i mean i mean i mean that's crazy that, that's something you would you would i would expect maybe a young YouTuber that's about like 18 years old to be trying to do, try, trying to grab a moment. But you're, you're a guy that's in your 30s. I don't know how old this guy is, but like, but like to be asking for, oh yeah, I hope you hit me because this will blow my career up if you do this. And this is going to, like bro, this is a passing moment. It, you know how quick everything goes in, in media today? This will pass and like, to, I mean, honestly, nobody really cares about it that much. It won't matter next week. And, and it'll be on to the next. Like, what are you doing that's going to actually stick in this business and what's going to actually keep people coming back? That's what matters the most instead of having these viral moments that are just, that are just that we all know are just for the times. I mean, I only heard about it because it was on this side of the coast because it was Kinlaw and we, you yeah. know, having the South Carolina connection. And that, you, you hit, you, you know, you hit the point right there too. It's not like, it wouldn't make more sense if it was some of the younger generation, but like, because they would think, you know, okay, Stephen A and Skip, they got viral because they made these outlandish statements. You're that age. You know damn well they did not make those statements coming up in this business. They had to get oh. to a point of being respected and having that you know sort of reputation to then okay, he can make these statements because we know he actually knows what he's talking about and he can be ridiculous and call people out and have weird you know idioms and metaphors to explain his points because he has spent the time cultivating a career that backs it up. This guy, like. You're working for Sports Illustrated, which at one time was, you know, the prominent feature in yeah. sport, and that's and that's you know one of the was the you know that was the thing, you know, the Sports Illustrated magazines getting football cards off the back of the pages, like that was yeah. it. Not that anymore, because now teams don't need you to cover that. Like yeah. everyone and their mother is covering this team, and they have their own in-house media that's going to put their players in social media. They're having players or reporters write their articles. Or their own websites. They don't need you to cover or give opinion because you're because that's the other thing. At that point in time, 
And I'm not to say that sports columnists don't have like an effect now, but back then there was like there's so much saturation now. Back then, sports columnists and writers, their opinions actually pulled weight. Like yes. it actually had impacts, especially on baseball, on golf, on racing, on football. Like it had an actual impact. Now there's so much saturation. You're lucky if your your soundbite breaks through the hearing aid of their team. Like there's barely any chance that you're actually going to get, you know, heard. And we know that more than most. Oh yeah, exactly. Cause I mean, like, we, we have things that go crazy. Like for us, they've done the biggest numbers we've ever seen, but it's only amongst a very small sector of people that actually care. These are, these are amongst Panther fans. It's, you know how hard it is to break through and get something that everybody's listening to and becoming somebody that a, a voice that everybody is rushing to, to, you know, hear your opinions. Like I said, Colin is back in the day. These were the guys breaking the biggest stories. So unlike now where, like, you know, it's a simple tweet. It can be a tweet from a random account in, you know, in Wisconsin, breaking some of the biggest NFL news. And, you know, and like you said, like, it, it honestly doesn't matter where it comes from nowadays, being being at a, or being with, with a, a, you know, a media company like Sports, Sports Illustrated just doesn't hold nearly as much weight as just, honestly, just being a guy that's just, on the internet telling the truth and not, you know, trying to, you know, I guess engineer these fake viral moments like he like like Grant Cohen did with Javon with Javon Kenlon. Tyler, you have anything else before we hop off the soapbox? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day it all shows up on film. People you know, people are who they are. You see that in the long run. And you know, that goes from the media to the teams to, you know, guys getting drafted. And in the long run it all everything gets seen through. And so, you know, the good guys that work hard will 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 make it in the long run. Sorry, one more soapbox. And that's what upsets me <laughs> about the fact that he was going up to Kimlaw. I can understand you're upset with his health and his knee. I get that. But to go and question his character when you when when the, the, like he had a, like a good ten to fifteen minute segment before his pick and after his pick, talking about the stuff he went through as a child, homeless for a good majority of his childhood, and to go that like to then think that he's not going to take this seriously or he's not going to act upon this. This isn't someone who you know just got by. This is someone yeah. who's fought for every single thing he's ever received in his life. But you like to think that he's not going to to say it with his chest or to do something about it is just that speak like that just speaks to the overall ignorance of what you're trying. You you could have picked anybody else. You could have picked Debo. You could have picked Bosa. You could have picked Jimmy Garoppolo, but instead you decided to go after a guy who is not going to take that lightly. He's just not. And he kept his mouth quiet for a while at South Carolina trying to get to that point. Like, you did not hear a whole lot about it. He was very hesitant to even tell his story. Like, I didn't personally, I knew, I didn't even really know about any of this stuff until it was coming close to draft time because that's not something they publicize. And then, of course, once it's pertinent to do so, then they publicize it. But that's just where I'm like, you, you got, if you're going to be, if you're going to be, you know, stupid, don't be ignorant. No. No. Well, I mean, I think we've, I think we got that. I think we got all that out of the way, you know. So take that, Grant. <laughs> You're no way in hell are you listening, but nah, not whatsoever. All right, moving on. We're gonna continue to beat the dead horse that we talked about. The media is continuing to beat, and that is the recent things that have come to light about the quarterback situation, like we're talking about. You know, 
them pushing the narrative that Sam is their guy, and then in the same sense saying that Cam is still on the table, provided that he accepts he'll be taking somehow a lower salary than he already took because what he took was not that high to begin with, and that he will be coming in not competing for the starting role, which, again, I don't think he came into the into – the, I mean, he, knowing Cam, he actually – I mean, he probably did think that was the case coming into it, but after everything that went down – I don't know if he believes that now, so I just don't understand why we're continuing to beat this dead horse and why we can't just cut the cord and let him, you know, let his let his tenure die with dignity. Because we already, I mean, not besmirched his tenure. Like, had he stopped playing after Arizona, had he stopped playing after Arizona, it would have been the greatest comeback. And, and, he, and, and it would have been some, you know, there would have been a, a 30 for 30 made about it in a heartbeat with Michael B. Jordan. Or someone of that nature playing Cam, but now, I mean, his his his, his comeback tour was already kind of cut short, so I just don't see the reasoning in trying to elongate it. Uh, just, 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 just let him play somewhere else, bro. I, I I I just I haven't seen much positives in Cam coming back, bro. I just like, like if he doesn't play again, he doesn't play again. He had a great career. If you're gonna bring him back, can we please stop putting out these storylines that we're just gonna like, like, like? It's like they're intentionally trying to make us, like, you know, think of him lesser. You know, like, like, like we, I think we, we all realistically know where Cam's out in his career. He's on the back nine. We know there's not many opportunities left for him in, in, in the league as is. But why do we keep trying to make it out to be like we gotta humble this guy to the point where, like, you know, he's got, like, we're gonna make him take a lower salary, and he's gotta not be, he's gotta know he's not competing for the starting role, even though we. Even though we know that Cam, be. Cam current day is better than Sam, the only guy I want on that only guy on the roster I would want playing over Cam is Matt Corral, and that's it. And even then, I, I, I'm like I'm like that. That's, that's it. I know the only quarterback I want to see other than Cam play is Matt Corral. That's the. But I I'd much rather have Cam Matt Corral learning from Cam Newton, a guy that would be in a role that he knows is only you know that's mainly just temporary and for whenever they feel like Matt Corral's ready to go. Instead of Sam Darnold, who's a guy that's still fighting for his NFL livelihood. I mean, I think there's two totally different situations there. And I think actually having them learn from a successful pro would be more so up the up the line of thinking I, that, I'm, that I'm thinking towards. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, you know, it's a tough situation because, you know, we saw how it played out last year, and it, it was a perfect spot, perfect time to do it. You know, we're struggling at quarterback. We were struggling as a team. Um, you know, it, initially it worked out. You know, things were great. Uh, he, he didn't start that Cardinals game, but um, in, in his first game with the team, you know, he had the touchdown, was used a little bit, which was uh, just awesome to see and really and awesome to, to think about how that happened. Um, and then we, we know how, you know, things finished out. But right now, after bringing in Corral, we know that Corral's making the roster going to be on the team. We know that after spending what we did on Darnold, he's going to make the team. And we know that this staff and PJ's still on the team. This staff loves PJ Walker, and um, PJ's not going anywhere. And like Matt Rule is going to be gone before PJ is. Like, as, long, as long as Rule is here, PJ Walker's going to be here. And you know we're not taking four quarterbacks into the year, so you know I think that they, I would say that they like PJ. And, you know, definitely more than Cam. And it, I think that's the short end of the stick when it comes to that. But the thing with Cam is you can say what you want about him coming in as a starter. We, we know that he's not uh, physically uh, where he was even even two, three years ago. He, he's not there and he's not 
you, you don't want him going into the year as your preferred starting quarterback. But the Cam's presence and persona about him, he's going to come in and demand reps with the first team, and he's going to win guys over, which which is a reason that I believe he's not getting brought in because you know guys are going to want Cam to start, and guys are going to want Cam to play just just with the persona that he brings. And so that that makes it really difficult when you're when you're looking at a quarterback room that is really filling up right now. I mean, I'd be interested to see, and you, it's, it, that's an interesting point, Tyler. Like, I'd be interested to see. I mean, some of these guys that you know, there's not a whole lot that ha- would have allegiance to Cam per se right now. But you got to imagine, you know, CMC, Robbie, DJ. Like, I don't know how they perceive Sam. It's, it's been a very, you know, it's not something we get any sort of insight in as to how the players themselves perceive Sam. You know, obviously Robbie was one that you know he made his he, he made his mind up known about you know Baker, but didn't really kind of allude. I mean, he, he had some, you know, inklings about what he thought about Sam before we got him, but since kind of been kept, you know, on the download. So I would be interested to see if it kind of like, you know, if there would, if a 49ers like scenario would, would, would throw itself up, you know, where players like, like put Cam in, like, we do not want this guy. We have Cam here. Why are you not playing him? I, I, I don't know how, if I, if I would see, I'd be interested to see how that would go down. But, you know, Cam's always had this type of, He's always been able to galvanize that type of energy around him. Like you, from, from everywhere he stepped onto the field, from Blend Junior College to Auburn to the time he came in Carolina, and even in New England, you even saw guys, you know, pledge their allegiance to him even in New England. That's a tough place to, you know, to, to win over, especially coming in the year after Brady left. You know, he's a guy that people believe in, and he's a guy that – and I, and I won't lie, if you look at the offense and how it ran, was it functional under Cam? No, but that's for a lot of different reasons other than, other, other than just Cam. But – you saw that there was more offensive potential there when he was on the field, and I and again, I think I think a lot of these guys feel that you know if we can give him a shot to get to that level he was at in twenty eighteen, again, we could possibly have a we possibly can make a run because it, it, you know some of the some of the tougher games on the schedule, I don't believe you can win with with, with Sam Donald on the roster, no matter how. No matter how much people, you know, Matt Rule talks about how he can make all the throws and he's got all the physical attributes. I'm like, bro, at, at some point, man, we're going into year five. If you ain't figured it out by now, and I'm not saying it's over because, you know, we had guys like Alex Smith who came through, not not Carolina, but just had rough starts to their careers and eventually figured it out. I don't see that happening with Sam, though. I don't see this this late career bloom happening with this guy. He doesn't see it just doesn't seem likely. It just seems like one of those things. Well, I'd rather see Matt Corral, but I'd rather see him be nurtured the right way before we hand him the reins and let him, and, and let him run with this team. I agree, and I think you know, with and if if you know if it wasn't already set in stone, I mean, who you put at offensive coordinator, all obviously set that decision in stone because you talk about it, you know the issues that with the offense were on Cam, but not completely on cam and it seems like you solved a good amount of those issues in the offseason so it would make sense all right well if you've solved those issues let's give cam another chance and another go around but it's just not with just not not with this regime and not with that offensive coordinator i don't think that he brought anything you know to the table to that would you know be able to give it to cam and that's all also saying like they're all operating like cam would take whatever deal you you know dump in front of him like because he's that desperate like he's not He's not going to do that, and I don't know where. I hope he goes somewhere. I hope he goes somewhere that needs him. I just don't think it's here, and I don't think it's going to be here. So I would like it's just, it's like, it's 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 almost like, uh, 
it's just disheartening to keep, to keep seeing him like, yeah, like let's bash the, the idea of him coming here so that maybe it'll make him more likely to come here or we can besmirch, you know, taint what he, he meant to the, to the area. And now he's just like a spare tire. And that's what it, it feels like. And it's just like, you don't, you don't need to be doing this. You, you don't. But only other thing is that today, Shanti scared the crap out of me and Steve Smith scared the crap out of me because I thought he was taking a coaching gig <laughs> with the freaking Giants and I was going to be absolutely upset. Not that I like, not that I think it would be a good fit, but I was just like, of all places, why the Giants? Yeah, of all the places. But, you know, it's, you know it totally brings into question, how good of a coach do we think Steve Smith would actually be? Like, I, I, what are we asking? Are we asking him just to be a strictly position coach? Or are we asking him, like, I, I mean, what type of role are we are we putting him into? And not only that, like, is he a great coach or is he just a guy that can, that I think, I feel like he'd be a better trainer than a coach. I'll say, I feel like if he could do anything, maybe like a straight, a strength and conditioning coach. <laughs> I would, but then, but, but I mean, you know, because I just, I know, I, I mean, his stuff was like, I'm not going to say it wasn't technical, but that wasn't ever his, you know, calling card. His calling card was, I'm going to line up in front of you, I'm going to hit you in the mouth, and then I'm going to score a touchdown on you, and then I'm going to hit you in the mouth again afterwards. Like, it wasn't, you know, I mean, obviously a lot of technique went into him being able to do so, but even when he, you know, every everything that he has propelled himself to be was not necessarily a, I don't say a you know, strategist, but he was more so like, He's going to play football for the heart. It was always the heart of Steve Smith. You know, always yeah. the will of Steve Smith. It was never, I guess, you know, the, the footwork or the mindset. of. Steve. It was always, I mean, maybe the mindset, but, you know, it was always the, the dog in him, not, you know, the, you know, the, the, the precision, you know, the precision maker, you know. So I, I, I just, I don't, I don't think it would, I think it'd be something you could try. I think he, I love him as an analyst and doing any sort of color. The preseason games he called were the best, and I would much rather see him line up with the new guy we got in play-by-play and yeah. have him do color because I love Jake and Jordan doing it in the games they switched off. But I just think that he would be phenomenal doing it if he wanted to. That would be my, that would be my dream there. Yeah, he did talk about he did talk about some things like you know just new things were on the way. And I'm 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 very intrigued to see what those things are. I already I already host the the, the cut to a podcast. Um, already doing all, what what he does uh, for for NFL Network. He's been I got his like you said done has done color color TV before. So I am intrigued to see what it what's the what's the next step for Steve Smith and his maturation off the field. You know. Yeah, you know, with him, you know, it's it ha- when being able to hear him fully talk about something and you know not just on tv but just you know, to hear him talk about something and maybe it's something as the passing game or receiver um and to really expand on that just with any nfl great it's, it's very insightful and it just gets you fired up so i think in, in that sense you know he's somebody that i think would be um you know, you know he would bring a lot to the table as a position coach uh, you know with a receivers coach um, but I could also see him, you know, trending off to the side because, you know, he does have that fiery motivation side of him too, that we all know and love. Um, so, you know, that when I first saw that video, I was, you know, super excited for him, um, in, in the next step of his career, but, uh, definitely going to be, you know, keeping an eye on that. And not only with Steve Smith, but Jordan Gross, he's been, um, you know, in, in doing a lot more with Panthers media. He was, you know, talking over the Panthers confidential. So, you know, seeing some of the guys that, um, you know, the legends of, you know, who were who were our heroes 
watching the Panthers um, as they were, you know, as we were younger, um, seeing them come back is, is a good sign with where we're at um, as a franchise and something that I th- think is, you know, awesome content that we'd love to see. And then guys, we did it last week. I'm going to do it again because I just, I, I know again, sports is supposed to be a distraction, but it's just, you cannot, there's just, there is no distraction. We've had, I mean, it's everywhere. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go into everything that I think about it and everything that I want to say about it, because if, if I did so, that would be another 20 to 30 minutes on this podcast. So what I will say is if you think it is, you know, something to overlook or something you are desensitized to or something that is, you know, just unbelievable go, or something that you don't think needs to be talked about, go watch Steve Kerr's press conference from a few days ago before the before the mat, before the game against the Mavs. Go listen to because you might not know his dad died. He was killed in a shooting. And so yeah. to hear the pain in his voice and to hear the, th- the things he articulated, I think presented the ideas perfectly. And I'm not going to, because again, you know, it's not going to mean a whole lot coming from us, but just go, go listen to that, please go listen to it. I'm not going to tell you what to think or what to believe, but I just, it sickens me and I can't talk about it. And I don't think it's an argument. I really don't think it's an argument. So I'm not going to sit here and try to argue. Yeah, man, it's one of those things where, you know, I guess, uh, it, it, at some point, your humanity has to kick in. You can't watch something. I, I feel like there's no way you can watch these things happen and not think something has to has to change. But again, like, like we're, we're, not, we're not the guys to, to, tell, to tell anyone what they should or shouldn't feel, but at, at some point, we all have to know that something that what's going on here isn't right hasn't been right for quite some time and it would be just irresponsible of us to not acknowledge that that we gotta that that something's gotta move you know yeah you know acknowledging and that perspective jack that you talked about with steve kerr um and understanding how how it affects everything is um is critical and just and the words can't explain no, there's no way to transition that into the end of the podcast or the end of the episode. So I'm just going to say that we're going to put, we did it back. Uh, we did it back. I think after, after George Floyd happened, I think is when we did it, we left some moments of silence. I think we did it after Kobe died as well. Um, so I'm gonna do that again. I'm gonna put 19 minutes of silence because I, I mean, if that, like, and if, and you don't have to listen to it, you can skip through it if you want, but I implore you to, if you are a, dedicated listener of this podcast and you respect our opinion in the slightest, whether it comes to anything we talk about, just sit there for just a few of those minutes and think about those lives and think about how he was in that building for an hour and, 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 and translate that to the, to the 19 minutes that I'm going to put of just silence this episode, because it's just, I, I, I can't keep looking. Like I said, like, like it's not on us to do so, but I can't. There's, I, I feel like there's nothing we can do, and I need to do something. So we're going to, at, at the literally the very least, because I can't think of anything you know, more that we can do at, and, and with the platform that we have. But I'm going to say, I said it like last time call your loved ones, hug your loved ones, just 
part of my friends, just fucking love each other, please. And we'll see y'all next week.